We're continuing with our series, Me and My Dysfunctional Family. Me and My Dysfunctional Family. I need you to make that personal. Touch yourself and say, Me and My Dysfunctional Family. Now, I know that's hard that some families admit that they got dysfunction, but I'm here to tell you, if you are alive and breathing and have been born in this earth, you have some level of dysfunctionality. And that dysfunctionality started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when they transgressed God's law, transgressed God's will, and they fell into sin. And guys, when you fall into sin, amen, that's dysfunction because God didn't design us to operate that way. Amen. Genesis chapter number 15, we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's, let's read. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you uh, and your reward will be great. That's a promise, right? Number two says what? But Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son since you've given me no children Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Verse 3 says, you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Text says this, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Verse 5 says what? Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now, listen, here we see in this text, I told you that when we look at mankind and humankind from the moment that sin took place in the Garden of Eden, mankind was messed up. Mankind became dysfunctional. And in through that dysfunctionality, God even God still loved his prized creation. And he still had a plan to get mankind back into right fellowship and right relationship with him. He had a plan for mankind to be able to rise above his dysfunctionality and begin to let God use him to reach other people. Because God desires for all of us to have a personal relationship with him. Now, again, let's go back by way of remembrance. Let's, let's make sure we stay on point on what our definitions are, because if we know what the, the words mean, then it helps us to get a greater clarity and concept about what we're trying to get to here. Because if we have dysfunctional families in the church, and for right now, guys, I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. When there's dysfunction in our families, it hurts the church family that we are part of. And when it hurts the church family that we are a part of, it hurts the community where that church abides and where that, where that, where that church resides. And it, it, it not only does it hurt the community, but it hurts the, the state, the region, even the nation when families are dysfunctional and out of order. And so God thanks a whole lot of families because he's the one who created family before he ever created the church. Can I get a witness? So what is, okay, we said dysfunction. What's our definition? Our working definition of dysfunction is what? Not operating normally or properly. Let me say it again. Not operating normally or properly. I need to see the hands of everybody who's in a family and at some point in time that your family did not operate normally or properly. Every hand here better go up because every last one of us in here have a, a, a part of a fallen world. And we in our families, we have stuff that goes on that's not according to God's will and plan for our families. Can I get two witnesses out there? We're not proud of it. 
We don't go around telling everybody about it. But the fact remains that we have dysfunctionality in our families of origin. Now, again, we said what's some synonyms for dysfunction? It means to be troubled. It means to be distressed, unsettled, upset, distraught, unbalanced, unstable, disordered, maladjusted, neurotic, emotionally confused, unhinged, mixed up and just plain old messed up. Amen. And, and I, you know, it's one, one thing. Uh, I think that we all can admit that there's some times in our families where we've messed up financially, we've been messed up relationally, uh, we've been messed up in a lot of different areas. And God says he wants to help fix us to make our families whole so that we can operate normally. Now, family, we said, is a group, a group of one or more persons, parents, and their children living together as a unit. We said it's all the descendants of a common ancestor. And I shared with you before, all of us descended from Adam and Eve. Let me say it again. All of us descended from Adam and Eve, which means that all of us, whether we like it or not, whether it doesn't matter what ethnic groups you come from, all of us are part of the same family. Because if you believe the Bible and you believe that the word of God is true, then God created man. He created man out of man. He created woman and everybody that's ever been born descended from Adam and Eve. So that means that we are family. Can I get a witness? So all of us are family. So that means that doesn't matter what color you are, we got to learn how to get the dysfunction out of our family. Because God wants to use the family unit. He wants to use the human race, amen, to get his will done, okay? So so when we look at that, we talk about those things. Now, I told you that Satan has a strategy, amen. He has a plan for creating dysfunction in our families. And and we're just going to read this real quickly. Number one, he uses doubt. The first thing he wants to do is make you doubt God's word. That's what he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden. If Satan can get you to not believe the word of God, can get you to believe that it's not true and that you can't rely on it, then he knows he has you exactly where he wants you. And so many times in our life, guys, we sit, we come to church, we, we come to Sunday school, we come to discipleship training, we come to midweek Bible study, but we, do we really, do we really truly and honestly believe that this word that, that, that's written in, in, in the book is actually true? And so he wants you to doubt the word of God. He wants to, he wants to make you question God's word and question his goodness. The second thing he does is, is he, he brings discouragement. He want to make you look at your problems rather than at God. Keep your eyes on God's word. Keep speaking those truths. The third thing we told you is he uses diversion. He makes the wrong things seem attractive so that you will want them more than the right things. He uses diversion. The fourth tactic he uses defeat. He wants to make you feel like a failure so that you don't even try. How many of y'all have messed up royally before and felt like you were a complete and total failure? Anybody been there before? You made a decision, a choice that was not it was not healthy for you spiritually, physically. It was not healthy for your family. And you messed up royally and you felt like a failure. The enemy will come and begin to speak into your ear and tell you, you're no good. See, I, I knew you that wasn't to that Jesus stuff you've been talking about. You messed up. There, there's no way God can love you. Let me tell you something right now. God loves you unconditionally. He don't want to put up with all the stuff that we're doing because he will come and chasing us because whom the Lord loves, he does what? He chases so when we get out of line as his children, he's going he's gonna to bring, amen, chastisement to us to get us back into place. Amen? But, but again, don't you dare let the devil tell you that you're no good, that you're, you're not worth anything because you made a bad choice and a bad decision because you chose to sin. 
Defeat, he wants to make you feel like a failure so that, so that you, won't, you stop trying. But listen, God loves you and he wants you back in your proper place. The, third, the fifth thing we said is he uses delay. He wants to delay. Amen. He wants to delay. He makes you put off doing something so that it never gets done. Number six, the, the sixth strategy uses what? Y'all remember this one? Number six. Do I get, do, did I mess up? Did I go too far? Delay? All right. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought I had number six. I'm going to my next group. Okay. So, so there are seven foundational commitments for, for, for family success. So when we look at this thing, after delay, he wants to make you put off doing something so that it never gets done. All right. So we roll into the, uh, the seven foundational commitments for family success. What are the seven foundational things that we have to keep in mind so that we can keep dysfunction out of our family? And again, I started these on last week, and I want to I want to make sure that we get these down. And I'm, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to go through them, and I want to come back to two or three of them. I know that are key that I want us to make, be focusing on because during the time that we're living in, guys, during this pandemic, when families are together more than they've ever been before, Amen. Because of the the need to social distance, then it's important for us to know how to get along while we're together. Some people, some families get along okay as long as they're not together. Any of y'all got somebody like that in your family like, we good as long as they're over there and I'm over here. Anybody in the house? Oh, I love my brother from a distance. But how many of you know, if that is your mindset, then there is something dysfunctional about your family. Amen? There's this, something dysfunctional about the American family when we can't get along because we are bumping heads because we are of different ethnicities. God wants us, the church, to lead out in making sure that we correct the dysfunctionality that's going on in our families. Amen? Can I get a witness? And so when we look at this thing, we said, number one, first thing we said was that we got to have a commitment to selflessness. Amen. We, because we know that we live in a selfish age. We got to commit to being selfless, not selfish. And we are naturally selfish, guys, because all of us want things the way we want it. Can I get a witness? All of us think it ought to be a certain way and we would desire for it to go that way. And sometimes when it doesn't go that way, we get in a little tizzy and we get upset and we start to kind of kick and scream and act like a baby. Amen. Any of y'all ever act like a baby since you've been born again? Any of y'all ever act like a baby since you've been past 40? How many 50-year-old babies do we have in here? Come on, can we, can we be honest? You remember Paul told the Corinthian church, let, let's pop back there real quick. The first Corinthians, the third chapter, I believe it is. And we're going to start reading at verse number one. I want to share this with you real quickly and we're going to keep moving. First Corinthians chapter number three. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. Y'all know this, but I, I need y'all to see it again because it is critically important. Amen. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter number three, verse one says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belong to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. Now, notice he is talking to the church. Do not miss this. He is not talking to unbelievers here. This letter was written to the church at Corinth. And he tells the saints at Corinth, he says, I, I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants or babes in Christ. Look at verse number two. Watch this. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. How many of you know we have 
churches full of people who still aren't ready. Who still aren't ready to progress to the next level in God because they're still babes in Christ. Because they have not made a conscious commitment to attach themselves to the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to have his, his perfecting work in us. And so as a result, we remain babies. Okay? How did he know they were not still ready? Look at the next verse. Look at verse number three. Let's go. Come on, let's read. For ye or you are still controlled by your sinful nature. Watch this now. Here's how you can tell when there's immaturity in the body of Christ, immaturity in the church, immaturity in your family. Watch this. You are what? Jealous of one another. Any of y'all ever had family members get mad at you because God bless you with a higher paying job, bless you with a, 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 a nice place to live, or just bless you with peace in your family? You and your wife, like, y'all get along, but they ain't getting along, so they mad because y'all get along, because they ain't getting along. I mean, people are, people are like, sometimes we have crab in a bucket mentality. When I see you climbing up, I'm going to pull you back down. Watch this. You are jealous of one another, and you quarrel or you argue with each other, doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Look at the next verse. Let's read. When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, another says, I follow Apollos. Aren't you acting just like people of God, people of the world? I'm sorry. He says, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? This is Paul writing this. Paul said, I ain't nobody. I'm just, I'm just a vessel that God uses. Don't get enamored with me. Don't you start following some celebrity, uh, what you call celebrity pastor with the mega church. And listen, you follow Jesus. Don't follow Doyle Adams. Follow Jesus. Amen? Watch this. Listen, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Look at verse 6. Watch this. It says, uh, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Let's read that again. It was what? God who made it grow. It was God who gave the increase. Look at this next verse. Watch this. Look, look at what it says. It's not important who does the planting. Get this. See, see, this functionality comes into play in a church amongst Christians when we get all crossways because somebody else is doing something we think we should be doing. Amen? Watch this. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Who makes the seed grow? God makes the seed grow. Look, look at, look at uh, 8, 9, and 10. Ripley, we're going to go to the next part of this. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. So if, if Charles plants and I come along and water the seed that Charles witnesses somebody uh, uh, in his neighborhood and then I come along two weeks later and share with that same person and then uh, five months later God sends somebody else to share with that person and all of a sudden that person, because of the word that's been planted, he receives Christ as personal Savior. Charles, the, Charles, myself, and the other person are working together to get that person to the place in Christ where they need to be. And so, so, so we can't brag on Charles, you can't brag on me, you can't brag on, brag on the other person. God is the one who brings the increase. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. Nine, verse nine, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. So we're, we're God's building, okay? 
So, now, so, so, so we, we can't be selfish, guys. The first thing is we got to have a commitment to self, selflessness. You can tell people are selfish whenever they, they start acting like babies in the church. The second thing we said was what? The commitment to unconditional love. That's cru- crucially important. Agape love has to abide in the heart and the minds of God's people. Agape love. Third thing we said was what? The co- commitment to communication. This is one I'm going I'm I'm to go a little hard in on today because I feel like that one of the things that's, that's hindering us as a church and as believers is, is we don't know how to communicate with one another. And we don't know how to solve issues. We don't know how to have those crucial conversations that lead to transformation in the lives of people. And so as a result of not knowing how to have it or, or doing it uh, in an inefficient and wrong way, we end up hurting or we end up don't we, we either don't do it or we don't do it well. And it doesn't cause for us to move forward in faith. OK, so the commitment to communication is critically important. Your communication must, must be both truthful and tender, especially as you develop the skill of resolving conflict. The, the next thing we said was the commitment to Christ, guys. The commitment to Christ. This, this fourth commitment, amen, is in the center, I told you last week, of this acronym success, because Jesus Christ must be at the very center of your family, of your marriage, of everything that you do. Amen? If not, there's going to be dysfunction in your household. Okay? So go back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, right quick. Ephesians chapter number four. Glory to God. It's got to be, amen, he's got to be at the center. How many of y'all want Jesus to be at the center of your marriage? Of your family, of your workplace, the center of your neighborhood, wherever you are. Jesus Christ being at the center. Ephesians chapter number four. Now watch this. Um, Start at verse number 17 with me right quick. Real quickly. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he says this. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Watch this, next verse. Uh, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their heart, minds and hardened their hearts against him. Next verse says, they, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Next verse says, but this wasn't what you learned about Christ. Now watch, he's talking to the church. He's letting them know that. Now listen, this other stuff that, that, that unsaved people do, you should not be involved in. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. The next verse says this, watch. Instead, let the spirit Renew your thoughts and attitudes. Stop right there. Now, how many of y'all will admit to me there are times when your, when, your, when your thoughts and your attitude need to be renewed? Come on, Mac, talk to me. Uh, how many of y'all will, uh, will admit that sometimes your, your, your thinking is thinking? Uh, let me say it like, like you're from the country. How many of y'all got some stinking thinking? I mean, I mean, some thoughts that you know good and well are not in line with God's plan for your life. Stinking thinking, thinking that's off base with God's word. That's why the Bible says bring uh, every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. You got to capture those thoughts. 
He says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. I told you on last week that that God transforms us into, into new persons by changing the way we think. Our thinking has to change. Let me tell you something. This church will not get to where it needs to be if, if, if the people who are part of this church don't let the word of God and God's Holy Spirit change the way we think about life. Some of y'all are into doing stuff and, and allowing the enemy to have control of your life because you refuse to allow the word of God to control your thinking. We got to let the word of God filter every thought that comes to our mind. And we got to decide, do, am I really going to submit my heart and mind to Jesus or am I going to just do life the way I want to do life? Instead, let the spirit renew you know, your thoughts and your attitude. Next verse says what? Watch this. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Come on, let's go. So stop telling lies. He had to tell the church to stop telling lies. Have you ever really thought about this? He's writing, Melinda, he's writing to the church. And he has to tell the church at Ephesus to stop lying. How many of y'all got people in y'all family that lie a whole lot? Okay, y'all, some of y'all going, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. How many of y'all are guilty of lying? Okay, don't, don't raise your hand. I don't, I don't want to embarrass you. How many of y'all out there watching online are guilty of lying all the time? Okay, just, just, you and your private your home, just raise both your hands, okay? <laughs> Guys, he says, stop telling lies he's talking to the church which means there are times if we're not careful we'll we'll speak untruths especially when we don't want to do something or we we're not brave enough or we're not we not we haven't learned how to have a crucial conversation which i'll talk a little bit about later on we haven't learned how to have a crucial conversation and learn how to say no to stuff that we really don't want to do so instead of saying no in an honorable way uh listen i'm just I, I don't, I don't want to do it. We'll, we'll come up with an excuse as to why we couldn't do it. And the excuse is something that we just pull out the hat so that we wouldn't make the other person feel bad because we didn't really want to do what they want us to do. I need three people who nod their head and say, Pastor, I've done that before. Pastor, I came up with an excuse rather than just saying, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, I made up an excuse as to why I couldn't do that. So he got real quiet in here. See, I'm in somebody's house today because we're going to talk about communication because families cannot, amen, discard dysfunctionality until we learn how to talk. This, uh, in, in America, we, we, we won't deal with the sin of racism until we start talking about the sin of racism. And we, we, we plan on having some conversations with some of my, some of my brothers, amen, uh, from another mother. We're going to have some honest, frank conversations conversation that we're going to record so that we can get this thing out in the open shine the spotlight on sin sin that because for too long we've ignored it and to pretend like it didn't exist and that sin is permeated in the church i'm not going to deal with the world i'm going to deal with the church like paul said so we have these conversations your honest, frank conversation, crucial conversations are sometimes hard to do for a lot of people because we're afraid we're going to uh, hurt somebody's feeling or we're going to lose a friendship. So we, instead of just telling them, no, I don't want to do that, we come up with a lie. Paul said, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we're all parts of the same body. Why y'all lying to me as your pastor? Oh, we want, we, yeah, yeah, bro, Pastor, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I intended to be there, but you know what? Uh, oh, how long did it take you to make up that lie and satisfy yourself that that was the truth? Amen. 
Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. Watch this next verse says what? And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Next verse says what? Uh, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now watch. Okay. So, so, so as we go through here, we're looking at him telling us to the church at Ephesus. And it's important for us to realize that, that even though we are in the church, even though we are part of the family of God, there is dysfunctionality that takes place in our churches. No church is a perfect church. If it were perfect, none of us would be there. Perfection will not exist until we meet Jesus face to face. But we are not to be dysfunctional to the point that we can't even, amen, go out and witness and share Christ. We ought to be getting more like Christ every day, but there's some, some of us in our families of origin, our church families and the family of this nation, we're so dysfunctional that we can't even do God's will. Because we haven't addressed certain things. So, we said commitment to selflessness, commitment to unconditional love, commitment to communication, the commitment to Christ. OK, that's re- crucial, important. Commit ourselves to Christ. Amen. And we'll, we'll I'll pop back here in just a little bit. Commit to each other is the next one. It's important that you guard your family relationships. Amen. Don't allow outside distractions, careers, busy schedules, all that to cause you to get your priorities mixed up. And it happens quite often. People get their priorities mixed up. And then now uh, they're not committed to each other like they used to. The commitment to servanthood is the next one. The commitment to servanthood. Amen. Servanthood. Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve. Amen. He also said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. The most successful families and marriages in this world constantly look for ways that they can serve each other. And that's what should happen in a church family. In a church family, it should not be about what I can get, but it's what I can give. I want to serve you. You're my fellow brothers in Christ, and I want to make sure that I'm serving you. As your pastor, I want to serve you. Not just, I don't want to be served by you. I want to serve you. I want both of us, all of us to serve Jesus Christ. Amen. So the commitment to servanthood. And lastly, there needs to be a commitment to sharing with others. And these are some principles that we're going we're gonna to continue to pull out and, and, and pick on as we go through this series. Because me and my dysfunctional family is critically important. Dysfunction, you know, again, not operating normally or properly. And Satan has done a yeoman's job of, of, of bringing dysfunctionality into the body of Christ. Into, into the lives and the families of Christians, into churches, into, into, into man, mankind as a, as a whole. All right, so, 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 but, but, but what I want to do today is I want to, I want to go back and, and dovetail around because I believe that it's important for us, if we're ever going to get to where we need to be, is we have to learn how to commit to communication. If we're going to get past some of the dysfunction. Now I'm going to, I'm going to share some things with you guys that, that I think is really important. I'll, t- I'll tell you this about my family of origin growing up. And I, I love my mom and dad. Uh, Paul and Moses Adams, they, they live catty corner across the street over there. Um, uh, and, but there's a lot of things that they didn't know. Hello? There's a lot of things about communication that they didn't know. All right? There's a lot of things about uh, uh, how to pour into the children that they, they just didn't know because maybe they wasn't taught or maybe they just didn't see it modeled. Okay, so so in my in my family of origin, there was dysfunctionality, especially when it came to communicating. All right. Now, one of the, when I say that, 
I, I say that with, with all due respect, they just didn't know. Okay? And a lot of y'all grew up in families that people just didn't know. How many of y'all grew up in families where you didn't talk about things of, of great substance? I mean, in other words, you didn't talk about how many of y'all, your dad talked to you about how to have a relationship with a girl? I don't see no man's hand going up in here. Uh, okay. I, I say, didn't talk to. I mean, how many, how many of y'all dad didn't talk to you about that? How many of y'all uh, mother talked to you sisters about how to have a what it means to date and have a relationship and what it, what it means to, to, uh, to keep yourself and other than just keep your leg closed. Other than, don't you bring no baby here. Huh? See, some of these conversations were not had and, and, and some of it because during that era and time, they didn't talk about this stuff. And sometimes we get together as a family, we're married family, especially we, we, we'll talk about some of the, the things that, that they observed growing up. And there's a whole lot of stuff that was going on in our communities that nobody was talking about. Everybody knew Mr. John had a, another family over here. Hello? And Mr. John was a deacon in the church, and nobody said anything about Mr. John's other children outside children over here, the same age as his children. Oh, Lord Jesus, why did he go there? What's he, what's, what's he trying to get at? What I'm trying to get at is if we don't talk and teach our children and our grandchildren and our nephews and whoever about what God says about relationships, they'll never grasp and understand it. And, and to be quite honest, we didn't talk about that kind of stuff growing up. Um, and, I, and, and I love my mom and dad, but, but, but sometimes in our household, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was yelling to the, it the Greek. It was, it was, it was turmoil, complaining and hollering and yelling and fussing and fighting. And not a lot of teaching. Now, it was teaching by way of example as far as providing for the family. I'm not talking about that. I mean, and, and making sure we have what we need to have. But, but, but because that kind of communication was not very re- prevalent, then I struggled as a young man to be able to express myself in a, in a very real and transparent way. Anybody else? Can I get five people to go along with me and, and say that, that that wasn't the order today? I know my parents love me, but they just didn't know certain things. And so communication is important. If you're going to expose, amen, those who are within your circle of influence to the things of God, you got to learn how to talk to them. And sometimes we just don't know how to talk. Right? Can I get a witness? So let's, let's look at some communication guidelines. And I've shared these, I've shared some of these when we talk about marriage and family. But these, these guidelines can go into play with every level of family uh, uh, that, that's uh, uh, part of our definition, the, the human race, uh, husband and wives, uh, parent, child, co-worker, the co-worker, church member, the church member. These guidelines for communication are, can be utilized to help each one of us get to where we need to be in Christ Jesus. All right. So I, I, I noticed that, that, that y'all, y'all, nobody likes to admit that there was dysfunctionality in their families. Some of y'all got a little, real uncomfortable when I started sharing that because some of y'all, when you look, some, some of you, when you look back at your family, you made like everything was perfect and it wasn't. And, and, and so as long as you keep telling that lie, 
You won't be able to go back and unearth some things that need to be unearthed to move you forward. In order to go forward, you got to look back. You don't look back as a ball and chain to hold you in the past, but you look back to acknowledge, hey, this may have affected me this way, and this is why I respond this way in the year 2020. But if you sit there and, 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 want, and want me to believe that everything was perfect and okay, I know it. that's not the truth. Because every family has a level of dysfunctionality. All right? So watch this. First thing here. Communicate. If we're going to communicate, if we're going to share, uh, if we're going to learn how to do that, number one, we got to be a ready listener. Be a ready listener. Everybody say ready listener. How many of y'all know that sometimes it is, it is so hard to sit and listen? Especially when you think the other person is saying something wrong. And you feel like you got to interject. Say, oh, no, that wasn't right. Be a ready listener and do not answer until the other person has finished talking. Now, I need to, I need to see the hands of y'all who've struggled with that before. Okay, I, I, yeah, I see some. Uh-huh, some of you, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Look, go to James chapter number one. James chapter number one. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? Because if we're going to be, a, if, if we're going to get rid of the dysfunction, you got to start by being better communicators. Now, first and foremost, you got to, dysfunction, you, you got to commit to Christ first. There are many families. There are many people who are part of churches. There are many folks who, who live in America who have not committed themselves to Christ. If we're going to rid ourselves of dysfunctionality, we got to commit to Christ. Not know about him, not read about him, but commit our walk, our ways, our hearts to him. James chapter number one. Glory to God. Amen. James one. Verse number 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to Quick to what? Say it again. Quick to what? Quick to listen. And what? Slow to speak. And what? Slow to get angry. Three things here. If we're going to improve and be able to communicate so that our families can become whole, so we can talk about what we need to talk about, first thing that each one of us need to do is commit, commit to being quick listeners, slow speakers, and slow to get angry. All right? Y'all got that? Read verse 20 for good measure. Come on, let's read. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Now listen, hear me carefully. Even with all the marching and the protesting that was going on, when people start getting angry to the point to where they, they start wanting to beat people up and they want to set stuff on fire, that's outside the will of God. Now I don't care how you try to explain it and come up with frustration just, just boil over. Anger should not drive us righteous anger, anger that comes from God, righteous indignation, being mad at sin. You ought to be angry at sin, but sin, but, but anger should never lead you to sin. This is biblical anger. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So if you are a born again believer and you out there burning somebody's house down, burning somebody's store down, you are dead wrong. Well, somebody's going to try to explain, well, people are just frustrated and tired. Listen, you can be frustrated and tired, but that don't mean you get outside the will of God. All right? Be ye angry and sin not, the Bible says. 
right? Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Have righteous indignation. Have the anger that Jesus had. Amen. It's right, righteous indignation. Be, be mad at, at sin, but don't let, don't let your anger lead to sinful action. Can I get a witness? So be a ready listener and don't ask until the other person has finished talking. Num- number two, uh, so be slow to speak. Okay, Think first. Okay, don't, don't be hasty in your words. Speak in such a way that the other person can understand and accept what you say. Go to Proverbs 15, look at 23 and 28, and then we'll look at a couple more verses. Proverbs 15. Watch this. So we're going to be slow to speak. We got to work on that, right? How many of y'all got to work on that? All right. How many of y'all want to get yours in first? Can we talk? How many of you want to get yours in first? Let me say what I got to say. The Bible is very clear about how we're supposed to respond. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Can I get three witnesses up in here? It's a wonderful thing to say the right thing at the right time. Look at verse number 28. Let's go there right quick. This is, this is from the book of Proverbs. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all in here, some of y'all out there listening to me, talk before you think. And then you get yourself being proud of that. The Bible says a fool utters all of his mind. But a wise man will keep it in until afterward, after he's, he's evaluated the situation, after he gathered all the facts, and then he begins to speak rather than just blurbing out whatever comes come to your mind. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked does what overflows with evil words. You out there cussing and fussing. And you got your name on the church roll. As a matter of fact, you sung a solo last Sunday. And out there cussing folk out. On your job, in your home. And now that's why your little children are so traumatized, and that's why they messed up because children are messed up because they see parents doing stuff that they that 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 they're that, that the children are being taught you shouldn't do, but when they go home they watch parents, amen, who who've been baptized but ain't living in that home. And we messing kids up for generations to come. Some, some, some of you, if you're really honest about it, if you really start looking back, there are some ways that all of us have that were affected by our upbringing. Can I get a witness? Watch this, watch this. So, so the heart of the God that thinks carefully before speaking. So if you've got a God in the heart, you're going to think carefully before you speak. Be like Jesus was. You know, when, they, when, when, when they caught the woman in the act of adultery, I think it was a setup, by the way. And they went and called her. Then when, when they brought her to Jesus, Jesus they wanted Jesus to give an answer right away, didn't they? And so when, when Jesus, amen, stooped down on the ground, they kind of got agitated because Jesus wouldn't respond right away. And when you look at the text, and when Jesus did respond, somebody, somebody said, and we don't know exactly what he wrote, but, but I, I believe this could be true. They said he began to write the names of all those guys who, were, who, who wanted to stone the woman and began to write who they were with the night before who they'd had a relationship with before. Because 
the, the, the context, when you, uh, a theologian will tell you that when he says he that was out sin cast the first stone, it's evident he wasn't talking about anybody got any kind of sin because all of us know uh, we, we all are born in sin and shaping iniquity. So all of us have sin and come short of the glory of God. What they were saying is that the contextual verbiage that's used there means that they were doing the exact same thing that they were accusing the woman of. So can you imagine sitting around talking about, come on, Jesus, give us an answer. Come on, Jesus, give us an answer. Come on, Jesus, give us an answer. And he writes your name, John. And Jesus is very specific because God knows exactly what he sits high and he looks low. John, last Friday night, you were with Shaquita. <laughs> or, or Mary, whoever, whoever, whoever she is. At, 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 at 545, when you told your wife you were going to the grocery store, and you told your wife because it took so long that you were you, you ran into your old classmate from high school. and Y'all talked for about two hours a minute at the grocery store. No, you're lying. And Jesus began to write that. And he became so specific. And he says he did without sin cast the first song. And then when he looked up, guess what? Everybody was gone. Guys, let me tell you something. L- look here. Jesus knows where we are. And so, and, 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 and so when, when Jesus was being prompted to speak before it was time, he didn't move. He was slow to speak. He was, he was, he was using his God, God-given wisdom because he is fully God yet fully man. And he was allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to him before he spoke out. And when he spoke, man, it was deafening. Everybody, everybody got him up out of there, didn't they? Right? Because they were guilty of the very same thing that they were accusing the woman of. Watch this, watch this. Be slow to speak. Think first. Don't be hasty in your words. Speak in such a way that other person can understand and accept what you say. Amen? Go to the next one. Number three. Number three. Don't go to bed angry. Each day clear the offense of that day. Now, don't go to bed angry don't mean that, 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 that you've got the, the offense resolved. Because sometimes it takes a while to get some stuff resolved. But what we're going to say is, as a born-again believer, I'm going to make a commitment that, that I'm not going to allow anger to seethe and, 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 and get down on the inside of me to the point to where I'm carrying that forward 15 weeks. Can I get a witness? All right? Deal with the issue. Clear the offense. Speak the truth always, but do it in love. Don't exaggerate. Speak the truth in love. Go to Colossians, the third chapter, verse number eight with me right quick. Come on, let's move. If we're going to communicate about tough issues, we're going to have to get to the point to where we're allowing the word of God to have its perfecting work. In our initial text in Genesis, the 15th chapter, which we're going, to, we're going to unpack it some more, God had given Abram a promise. He had told him, get out of your country, go to a place where I'm going to show you. And then he says, you're going to become the father of many nations. You're going to, through your seed, the whole world is going to be blessed. And he had a promise from God the Father, but that promise was given, but there was a waiting period before the promise manifested itself. And in that 15th chapter of Genesis, we begin to see that Abraham starts to get a little patient because he's getting on up there in age. But God has given him a promise. Watch this, watch this. We'll get back there. But now is the time to get rid of anger Rage, malice, malicious behavior, slander, and, and what? And dirty language. Get rid of it. That's what it says. Get rid of it. Look at the next verse just for good measure. Okay. Don't lie. There it is again. Why does the Bible keep telling Christians don't lie to each other? And it's, just, it's, it's repetitive. Don't lie. 
Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Amen. So, so, so don't go to bed angry. Number four on our list, don't use silence to frustrate the other person. If we're gonna, if we're gonna communicate, don't use silence to frustrate the other person. Now, how many of y'all are, are, are the type that, that go into silent mode when things are not going quite right in the communication? Come on, let me see your hand. Come on, raise your hand. How many wives go into silent mode? How many men go to the silent? I ain't, I ain't got nothing to say. What's wrong, nothing? You know something wrong. But you go into that silent mode. Don't use silence to frustrate the other person. Explain why maybe right now it's not a good time to talk. You're hesitant to talk at this time. But do not use silence to, to, to just to cut the conversation totally off because we got to get to a point where we can talk about the issue if we're going to get beyond the issue. Amen? I'm, I'm rolling through these, y'all. Okay, so, so you, you, they're on your sermon notes on, on the app. Go back and look at them. Look at the scripture references, guys, because that's critically important. Okay? Go to, go to the next one, number five. Watch this. Number five. Uh, don't become involved in quarrels. It is possible to disagree without quarrel, without having knockdown, drag out arguments. All right. See, if you're going to deal with any real issue, whether it's racism, whether it's whether it's uh, 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 trouble in the church. I mean, whatever it is, in order to be able to deal with it properly, you got to learn how to talk about it. Everybody say talk about it. You got to have honest conversation before you ever get to the point to where real change takes place. And so, 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 so don't become involved in quarrels. You, look at Proverbs 17 and 14 with me right quick. And then we'll look at 20 and 3 and we're going to keep moving. Okay. My time is moving on. Me. Watch this. Watch this. Proverbs 17, verse number 14. Glory to God. It says, starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. Did y'all hear that? It's like, it's like opening a floodgate. How many of y'all know people who start stuff? I mean, they just, just they, every time you see something jumping off, they're in the middle of it. He says, stop before a dispute breaks out. Look at 20 and 3 with them right quick. Come on, let's go. Let's move. Hallelujah. Proverbs 20, verse number three. This is the right quick. We get there. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling or arguing. Only fools argue all the time. How many of y'all live with a fool? Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. In other words, just, just I mean, it doesn't prove your manhood because you, you know, you, you, uh, you're going to jump in and you're going to just beat somebody up. You're going to be gruff and gruff. Listen, learn how to, to bring people to the table. And like God says, come, let us reason together, said the Lord. Amen. So, so, so don't be involved in, in quarrels. Number six, don't respond in uncontrolled anger. Don't respond in uncontrolled anger. We already talked about that. We won't go back there, but. A, a, a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Don't respond in uncontrolled anger. If you're going to be biblical, if you're going to be a man or woman who can affect change in your family, if you're going to be a man or woman who can bring people to the table and get things solved, you got to learn how to not respond in uncontrolled anger. Uncontrolled anger. Anger itself is not a sin, but it can lead to sin. Anger doesn't have to be sin, but it can lead to sin. Can I get a witness? Look at number seven. Number seven, when you are in the wrong, admit it 
and ask for forgiveness and ask how you can change. Learn how to ask for forgiveness. Learn how to admit when you're wrong and quit defending your position. Amen? Alright? When someone confesses to you, tell them you forgive them because as a born again believer, we're told that if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven of our own selves. I don't know how you get any plainer than that. If, we're gonna, if, if God's going to forgive our trespasses, we have to learn how to forgive others their trespasses. Now, forgiving don't mean that you still don't deal with the issue. Some people think that forgiveness means that we don't talk about it no more. No, we got to process the emotional hurt and pain. We got to get past it so you can be healed and whole and don't go forward five years from now and still be messed up by what happened five years earlier. Because a lot of times people forgive, but they don't deal with the emotional scars and the pain that it took place. And that means you got to talk about it. Amen? Everybody say, talk about it. Number nine, avoid. Number, I'm sorry, number eight. Uh, where am I at? Go, go to the next one. When someone confesses you, tell them that, that you forgive. Go to the next one, number nine. Glory to God. Thank God for, for, uh, for us learning how to get past dysfunctionality. Do not, okay, avoid nagging. Y'all know what nagging is, right? Why, 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 why? Let's discuss, let's talk about it, but stop nagging. Any naggers in the house? Any whiners and complainers? Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me today. Any whiners and complainers? Let's deal with the issue straight up and allow the Holy Spirit to do his perfecting work, but stop nagging. You got the scripture references, go to them. Go to number 10. Number 10. Do not blame or criticize the other person. Instead, restore, encourage, and edify that person. Glory to God. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11 with them right quick. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11. Talking about communication, guys. Because if we're going to solve some of life's greater issues, we got to learn how to communicate. We got to learn how to have a crucial conversation. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. Encourage each other, build each other up just as you're already doing. Paul told the church at Thessalonica that. Amen? So don't blame or criticize the other person. Instead, restore, encourage, and edify. Number 11, if someone verbally attacks, criticizes, or blames you, don't respond in the same manner. Two wrongs do not make a right. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Number 12, try to understand the other person's opinion. Make allowance for differences, guys. All of us are different. We may think a little bit different, but we got to get on the same page as it relates to the things of God. But culturally, we may be different. Our family upbringing may be different. So learn to understand those differences and appreciate them and utilize them. But don't let those differences stop you from being who God called and ordained for you to be. And the last one we want to say, be concerned about the interest of others. The interest of others. Now go, go back to Genesis 15 with him right quick. Now, communication is real important. It's important. And we got to learn how to have crucial conversations. Okay? A crucial conversation. I, we, we did that, uh, that study a, a few years back on about how to have a crucial conversation. And we said, what makes a discussion crucial? We said there were three things that makes a discussion crucial. And, and most people don't do this well. Uh, what, what, what makes a conversation crucial? Number one, the stakes are high. 
Oh, in other words, there's, there's a lot at stake uh, when, when it comes to crucial conversation. The stakes are high. Opinions vary. OK, they may vary widely. And, 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 and number three, here's, here's a real one that, that we have to get, get, get used to. Emotions run strong. When you deal with something where the stakes are high, in other words, there's a lot of stake. When when opinions vary differently about how to process, how to how to handle that thing. And then when emotions run strong, that's called a crucial conversation. And the majority of people don't do crucial conversations very well. That's why we don't ever get stuff solved because we can't talk about it. We get mad. We run away. We throw things. We give up. But we got to learn how as Christians to have crucial conversations. If you're going to deal with the sin of racism, you're going to deal with, 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 with family problems. You got to learn how to have these conversations without people saying, well, you know, we, you know let's leave it alone. Leave it alone. Got everybody, everybody in your family messed up, jacked up. Go back to the definition of dysfunctional. You're, you're, you're maladjusted. Messed up, mixed up, because nobody wants to talk about the stuff that needs to be talked about. And as a believer, we can't go on that way. We got to learn how to bring it to the forefront and deal with it. How do you have those crucial conversations? How do you do that? How do you get to that point? Amen. The, you know, research over a 25-year period has shown that crucial conversations transform people and relationships. If you learn how to do that well, learn how to communicate when the stakes are high, when 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 emotions run deep and and when, when you when, when it's 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 um, a, a situation where where things are are, are are tough and people don't want to really talk about it, when opinions vary widely, you got to learn how to have those conversations. You got to learn how to when, when mama when mama disagree with you. Mama may be wrong, but you won't you won't say anything to mama. Because, yeah, your mama's 75, now she's 80, so just leave it alone. Now, mama needs to know truth. Hello? And you need to learn how to have that conversation with mom and dad. Have that conversation with your husband, with your wife. Have that conversation with your children. Have that conversation with your Caucasian brother or sister. Have that conversation with your African-American brother or sister. And have those conversations and line them up with God's word and his scripture. Amen? Crucial conversations and learning how to talk to people help transform people and relationships. Most of us avoid them. It to be truth be told, we avoid it. We, we it, or we or we do go into it. We we do it badly because we haven't girded ourselves up to learn how to deal with those 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 high energy, high emotional issues. And we got to learn how to let the Lord, Holy Spirit get us through those things. Amen. Now go back to Genesis fifteen, and I, I got to. I got to close this thing out because crucial conversations, guys, are what we need to be involved in if we're going to get past. Here we see where Abram was told by God to do something. Amen. That he was going to be something. That he was going to be in a place where God could use him to do some mighty things. And uh, Abram Abram or Abraham had, had had a very definite word from God about his future and he knew what God had promised but he had no word when it he had he had no word when it when, no was he God had told him something he had a word but but time began to creep in go back to Genesis 15 with me right quick come on hurry verse number one watch this I, I gotta get us out of here 
Just, and, and sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I, I will protect you and you, your reward will be great. Because he had told him in the 12th chapter, get from around your family members. How many of you know some, 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 of y'all, some of y'all are messed up because you hadn't broken with family? When I say broken with family, I mean having the health of separation. Therefore, should a man leave his father and mother and do what? Cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Sometimes we are hindered by our families of origin because our families of origin still have undue influence on us. And we don't allow our new family relationship that we have with our spouse to take precedence over our families. So we let our family influence what we do rather than the new, the new relationship prior that God has set for us. Guys, and, and so when the, the text says, uh, but Abraham replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what, you know, what good are all my blessings if I, when I don't even have a son? Because during this period of time, a man was looked down upon if he didn't have a son to carry on his name, to carry on his lineage. The text says this, since you've given me no children, he says, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Now watch this. He says, you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Next verse. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Next verse says what? Watch this. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. In other words, you're going to have children by your wife, Sarah. Now go to verse, chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. And here's where we're going to stop off. Because here we're going to see dysfunction still running in Adam and Eve's family. It started with their two children. Uh, Cain killed Abel. How many of you know dysfunction when you murder your own brother? Hello? And it's still continuing now as we go down to this family lineage. Watch this. Watch this. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. Now, he got a promise. He got a word. First of all, God said, leave your kinfolk. Go to a place I'm going to show you, and, and I'm going to bless you. And he says, you're going to be the father of many nations. As you see the stars in the sky, that's how many of the sinners you're going to have. But it hadn't happened yet because time hadn't taken place. Well, watch what happens. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Watch what happens when you don't wait on God. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And here's why a crucial conversation needs to be had. Abram had a promise from God, Brother Elijah. He had told him that, 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 that I'm going to bless your seed. But here his wife comes and tells him something that's different than what God told him. And it didn't have the crucial conversation. How many of y'all have been in a situation where, let's say this is a husband and wife, the wife comes and tells you something, husband, that God hadn't led you to do, but she moved because she was persuasive. She, you moved because you didn't want to disappoint her. It's not about disappointment, it's about leading the way God told you to lead. Watch this. The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. And dysfunction continues. We're going to look at it on next week. The dysfunction that this decision caused in this family. Guys, we got to get this thing right. Because God is saying, as long as dysfunction reigns in your family at a high level, all of us, none of us are perfect, but some of the stuff that's happening in our families, guys, is tearing us apart. I know it's tearing this country apart, the family of Americans, and it's, it's tearing our individual families apart because we have not learned how to kick dysfunction out of our house.
And we're going to keep picking on it and looking at our dysfunctional family. Every head bowed, every eye closed.